Great. So this is the Galatians Colossians class. So if that's what you're expecting, that's good. If not, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you're probably in the wrong place. So uh, the way David and I were going to break it up is that I'm going to teach Galatians. He's going to teach Colossians. It's kind of a funny story because I was thinking, you know, I'd like it if I could focus on one book. But then I'm like, well, Galatians is longer than Colossians. So it kind of seems like we should have more time for Galatians. And I thought, I don't know what David would think about it. So I never said anything to him. And he comes to me and he's like, you know, Luke, we should break it up with the between Colossians and Galatians. I'm like, I was thinking the same thing. He said, but we should give it, you know, the right ratio of time because Galatians is longer. I'm like, I was, how are we so in sync? And we've never even talked. So that was pretty awesome. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, so Ryan, actually, can I, I'll, I'll, if I can get one more volunteer to pass out books. So Ryan's going to pass out books. Uh, can I get somebody else to, willing to pass them out? Or I'm going to call somebody. At, oh, I, is, okay, David's got it. This is, this is the benefit of having a co-teacher. I'll tell you a, couple, a few things about the study guide before we get started. So it looks like this. I actually been calling them study guide thanks to Mindy. Because one time we, I had a book, it was for the first and second Kings class. And she's like, oh, a workbook. And then she opened it up like, oh, a study guide. <laughs> and I thought, I totally know what she's talking about. Because when I think workbook, I think of a bunch of busy work, you know, to fill out this. You have to fill out tables with stuff that's like, okay, just read it. That's what it says. And I don't really like asking those questions. I'll tell you, when I put something together, I ask all the questions. Like, if I had somebody who knew everything about the book that I'm reading, and by the way, you don't have that because that's not me, but if I had somebody who knew everything about it, like I had Paul sitting here with Galatians, what would I ask him? And I write that stuff down. And usually, well, not usually, almost all of these are going to be open-ended questions where it's not, there's not just some simple, just go find a verse, just type it in, and then you're done. I want the more open-ended questions because those lead to good discussions in the class. The... I'll also tell you that I frequently put questions in there that I have no clue what the answer is. And I mean, I talked to somebody and he said he was terrified of teaching, but it wasn't somebody here. He was terrified of teaching Bible class. Like, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? I'm like, I ask those all the time. I have no clue. I, mean, it's, I figure if I'm sitting in here and we got a bunch of elders and they don't know the answer, I feel pretty justified not knowing the answer too. So that's okay. So don't ask the question. I had somebody ask me, he's like, Luke, I didn't know what question you're, answer, you're looking for in the question. And I'm like, yeah, I, I might not know either. I'm looking for the right one, whatever that is. Also, too, I'll tell you that I, I'm a bit conflicted in one sense because I worry that sometimes we oversubscribe people. I mean, this is not a college course. You have a job, probably. And how do you find the time to put into into study. And plus, at some point, you're supposed to live these principles out, which is really hard if you spend all of it just in the, you know, the scholastic part. So my recommendation is you use the study guide as a tool. And that means that you do as much as you find that it gives you value, or as little as it gives you value. Like, if you, if you have another approach and you're, you're getting something out of Galatians, do that, okay? Don't let me micromanage you. That's not the point of it. And there's things like, this is something I got out of, if some of you have read Mortimer Adler's book, How to Read a Book. If you look at some of the pages, let me find a good example. On page 34, there's, so there's two things that pretty much every section is going to do, which is ask you to summarize it in your own words, which, you know, if you have a summary and you don't want to write it down, that's fine, that's, that's the point. Also, to write out the lists of people in the text and then summarize them. Some of those, there's a lot of people. So 
you don't have to fill that out, right? That's just there if you want to understand a little bit more. If it's, some of these are kind of long lists. So if you want to go through there and say, pick out a couple of the most important people and you just do that, or maybe you just think about it and you don't write down anything, that's fine, right? That's my point, is it's a tool for you. So I do this because I'm teaching a class. You, for you, it's optional. The other thing, too, is you might want to do is that I, it's, I've tried to find ways to recover time where you're using, you're already having to do something, but you can do two things at once. And mo mostly, if you look at the research on multitasking, most of the multitasking is garbage. You really can't do two things at once. But there are a couple exceptions. Like if you're driving and you just have a question in the back of your head, you can kind of be thinking about it while you drive. You talk to Raymond, Raymond does this to great effect. So it could be what you could do is you could say, I'm gonna look at the material for whatever the next class is. I'm gonna pick out one or two questions and just, just be mulling them over and just have them kind of working in the back of your mind. I like having the questions out in advance because as a student, I like to know what we're gonna talk about in class. So if you have that just kind of working in the back of your mind, maybe you just stick some bullet points in here. Maybe you don't write down anything, but you've got an answer in your head. Again, that's fine. So I, if I find your book and you, have your, and you should put your name on it, and I look through, and I wouldn't do this, by the way. And I look through, and you don't have every question filled out. I'm not going to judge you, okay? It's a tool. Does that make sense? Any questions or comments on that? All right. Uh, what else did I want to cover? So I think, oh, one thing. There's a link at the beginning of the book, which is on page... Like it doesn't have a page number. Right at the beginning, it'd be page one, basically. That link will take you to a PDF copy of this book, as well as the PowerPoint. So if you ever want that content, that's how you get to it. That's nice if you do lose your book or you're away somewhere and you want to get just the page you want to study, you could always find it that way. Also, if we should have enough for the, if somebody comes in as a visitor and they want a book, they can, they can have one. I would say if they want one, if they ask for one, maybe even have them talk to me only because I can give them some other resources. I have a teacher's guide I've made with this. It's about 125 pages. If they wanted to teach it, I could give them that, which would probably make it easier to teach. So, like, I'm not, you don't have, they're not, you don't have to ask for permission to give them one. I'm just saying I could give them some other stuff that they might like. All right. I think that's all I want to cover for now. So let's, let's go ahead and do, we're going to have a, Bob's going to lead us in a prayer and then we'll get started. Dearest Father in heaven, how great and awesome you are. We humbly bow before you, Father, thanking you for all that you do for us, especially in the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ, for our sins. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to gather together this morning and to study from your word. We pray that as we enter into this study, we do so with open minds and open hearts. May we take the words that you have provided for us endeavor to learn them uh, better and understand them more. We pray that you'll be with Luke this morning and, and help him as he leads the class in the discussion of, of this book. Be with us always, Father, as we strive to serve you. Forgive us of our sins and strengthen us each and every day. For this is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I want you to imagine Yep. One time you, you come into worship and Boyd comes up to you and says, hey, can we, can we talk? And so he says, you're like, okay. And you follow him. He takes you to a classroom. He closes the door and he says to you, he said, I am shocked that you are so quickly 
to go to another gospel. Not that there's another gospel. It says, let me tell you this. Even if I or an angel from heaven tells you something different than the gospel you have received, you consider him a curse. Because let me say it to you again. Even if I or an angel from heaven tells you something different, you consider him a curse. Okay, I want you to imagine that. What would you be thinking? What would you be feeling? And what kind of questions would be going through your head? Could even be just a single word. Yes, ma'am. Right? Like, what did I do? It must have been something bad, right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Or yes, sir. I couldn't see whose hand it was. <laughs> it's serious, right? Yes, ma'am. asking for an explanation of the gospel that I was taking on. Okay. Oh, see, that's a good one. I'm asking for an explanation of, well, what is the difference between the actual gospel and what I was taking on? Like, show me the differences. That's a really good point. Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, so you said shock, but also grateful that he was willing to share those concerns with her. That, that's a good one. So I, had, I, I went through the list and I put shock, but I didn't put the second part, which is a nice turn on it. Yeah, it's a good point. Boy. I, I probably would be thinking, uh, he's making a big deal out of something that I hadn't thought was such a big deal. Good point. Okay. He's making a big deal out of something that I didn't think was that big of a deal. I think that's fair, too. Now, so that'd be really weird for you, Boyd, because you'd be talking to yourself. It'd be one of those, like, (laughs) Earth 2 or something. Some of you might be thinking, oh, that happens to me all the time. Boyd does that to me all the time. I don't know. Here's why I mentioned this. I've heard, if you read Galatians and you read that part and you read it kind of flatly... I mean, that was a quote from Galatians. You probably know that. And you read it kind of as like, oh, uh, I am surprised that you are so quickly. It's like, no, I don't think that's how it came off. I mean, if you got this letter in the mail and you opened up, this left a mark. And if you ask people, what book did Paul write that's about church problems? People are going to tell you probably 1 Corinthians. And they're not wrong. But while the problems in 1 Corinthians are more numerous... The problems in Galatians are more serious. And so you need to be interested in what in the world's going on, right? This goes to the question of, well, what gospel was I believing versus the real thing? And that's what the Galatians is actually all about. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to go through the book. I, I actually, if it's a smaller book, I like to go through it in two phases. One is to go through the whole thing high level real quick and then go through it at a slower time where we go through the details. And I like that ordering rather than the opposite ordering because if you understand the big picture, I find it's much easier to understand how the pieces fit into it. It's harder to do the opposite. Right? If I said, give me a list of car parts, here's what you would do. You would imagine a whole car. And then you would look at the car and be like, okay, wheel, tire, and then you, you would work from the unit down to the pieces. If I said, here's a bucket of parts, tell me what it makes, you'd be like, how do I even do that? It's, just, it's confusing. So I think that order is the right way to do it. One of the things, too, I want to do is I, I want to take a break from the main 
analysis, I was going to say exegesis, that, that's a complicated word, a main analysis of Galatians and go through some topical discussions that are related. And there's going to be three. So the first one is on page 77 in the appendix. There's a study about how do we avoid the same mistakes that the circumcision party made. I think it's really easy to say, oh, well, I, I wouldn't have done that. That's really easy. I think it's probably easier to slip into those problems than you might think. Now, also, we have to analyze and figure out, well, what did the opponents think? We're only hearing one side of the, of the, it's kind of like hearing a phone conversation, but you only hear one side of it. So we have to back Paul's conversation off to figure out what in the world did they believe, but how do we figure out what their mindset is and avoid the same thing? The second one is, Comparing and contrasting the old law versus the new law. And I've talked to you, a few of you, about this to kind of get you thinking about it. And I'm telling you these things now so that you kind of have this going in the back of your head. And you can always even make some notes of that on those pages in the appendix if you want to remember some things that we could talk about. And what about this? What does freedom in Christ mean? I will say that I don't think I really understood what that meant. It's a little more complicated than I thought it was. And Jesus talks about us being free as well. So what does that mean? And yet Paul says that he, he actually refers to himself as a slave of Christ. So are you slave or are you free? Well, it turns out they, it, you can be both, apparently. So we're going we're gonna to take a break from the main text and we're going to talk about these, which are all related to Galatians. So the, if some of you have probably read the book by Mortimer Adler, How to Read a Book, which is kind of weird when you think about it. You have to read a book about how to read a book, which makes you wonder, do you have to read a book to figure out how to read his book? Okay, so it's, it's a little bit strange. But it's, a, it's actually a really good book. And he makes the point very early on, he says reading is actually hard. And he wrote the book for college students. And he's saying, I'm teaching college students, and I'm telling you they don't know how to read. And at first you say, well, what do you mean they don't know how to read? Of course they know how to read. But he means reading for a deep understanding is actually hard. He makes a distinction between reading for understanding and reading for information. So the distinction would be like this. Paul mentions baptism in Galatians 3. So reading for information would be, Paul thinks baptism is important. And you're not wrong. That's correct. But that doesn't connect it to the context of Galatians. Right? That's reading for information. But reading for understanding would say it's something more sophisticated, like, okay, he believes baptism is important because it's for male and female, it's for Jew and Gentile, and it's, a, it's related to a Jew, Jesus, as opposed to a marker of you being a Jew, okay? So there's a, there's a difference in identity. When you see that, it's like, okay, that makes sense why it connects in a deeper way. I, I'm not going to do it in this class, but when I taught Galatians before, we... I had people read, I had us read a section of text. I said, okay, we're going to read this text. And then, I said, don't answer out loud, but just think about what you just read. What did you get out of it? I said, okay, now we're going to read it again, but you're going to read it with some questions in your mind. And I, I totally stole these from other people, other books. But the questions, generally the best ones I ask is, what about the author, what about the audience, and what about the occasion? And so you ask things like, okay, how did the author describe himself? What did he tell you about him? He could tell a lot of details, but for some reason he chose some over others. What was the situation? The author telling you about some about the situation. What about this? What about their feelings? Galatians is a book filled with emotion in it. You can see Paul's feelings, and it changes through the text. 
What about the audience? What, do we, what can we figure out about them? What were they thinking? What were they feeling? What were they doing? And what was the occasion? Typically, letters are written for a reason. What was the reason? And Galatians is written for a very specific reason, so it's, it's a little bit more obvious. So I had the class, I said, okay, let's read it again with these questions in mind. Several people came to me afterwards and said, it was weird how much more I got when I read it like that. Again, this is stuff in Mortimer Adler's book, How to Read a Book. The, uh, another thing I'll mention is at the end of the book, I can't remember, I don't think I mentioned this yet. There's a cross-reference to the book of Romans. It's on page 76. Romans covers a lot of the same material. One of the benefits of Romans, though, is Paul puts more, there's more words in there. It's not just more words, he actually describes it in more detail. So sometimes you look at something in Galatians, it's like this is more, it's hard to understand, and you go to Romans, you see the fuller description, and it makes more sense. So you can use that to use Romans to help you there. All right, questions or comments so far? All right, so what we're going to do, I want to go, I want to read the book of Galatians. We're going to go through, we'll try to go through two or three chapters today. I'm going to use the, the ESV version, so I'm going to stream it. What I want to do is we're going to go through the text. I'll have it, I'll play it here in audio. Then go through and think about what kind of things do you see, right? Uh, what do you know about the author, the audience, or the occasion? If you look for one thing, look for the feeling. If you, if you just look for that, you'll be surprised how just that will tell you a lot about what's going on here. And, oh, and I think I, I didn't mention this. The entire text of Galatians is in the book. So it's on page six. And I put it as, I think it's triple spaced. So if you brought a pen or a pencil, you can just make markers in there. The other thing, and I, I like this, I like questions, especially questions I can't answer, because they're usually a really good question. So if you see something, you're like, I don't know what, exactly what that means, or I'd like to know more about it, you can just stick a question mark there. So we'll go chapter, we'll go through a chapter, it takes about three minutes for each chapter. Uh, and then we'll have a short discussion, five to six minutes, and then, you know, like I said, bring up some of these items that you see, bring up questions, or, or if, if nothing else, bring up some of the emotion that you see. Questions or comments about that? All right, now I get to fiddle with the tech. Oh, and this is going to be reading in ESV because apparently the Bible app does not have NET set to audio. So it's a different translation than the one in the book because I put NET. The letter of Paul to the Galatians. Does that sound good? Can you hear that? Okay. Chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and are turning to 
as we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let it be a curse. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother. In what I write to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. All right. What kind of things did you see? What kind of questions did you have about it? Yes, sir. There would be some questions that pop up. You know, there says it's really not another gospel, but there are some. Who, who, is, who is that? He doesn't identify right away. The other questions, the how they knew about his former life, just different things about that. He's, he's just given some, uh, as if they're already known, some known facts that he's going through. It's like, you already know this, and you know this, and different things. So. Yeah, good point. So he mentions that there is some sort of opponents that are teaching something else, and it also gives this background about himself, which then begs another question. It's like, well, why is he giving us that background of all things? Brad? Yeah, that was my point. Yeah, he's obviously trying to Right, exactly. This is, he's not just being like, oh, let me tell you some random facts about me, right? This is, this is somehow important to the story. Yes, Bob? Along that line, weren't there some that did not believe that he was a true apostle? Okay, yes. You, you get the implication here. There's some who think that he's not a true apostle, or maybe he's a sub-apostle, or somehow they're trying to get Paul out of the way, which is, I think, I think that's exactly what's going on here. Yes, Mitch? Yeah, that's true. Three through five, he gives this summary, and it's, it, there's a good chunk of the gospel actually right there, right? It's, it's focused on our Lord Jesus Christ, which is, I think, part of the thing that's going to go on here is what they're teaching is something that actually takes focus away from him. 
Yes, ma'am. I like how he is in such command, and you can tell that he's doing it with passion, and how he takes the language and just reiterates it. It's like turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel. He straightens it right out. He tells you, you're looking at another. There is a one that you right. think there is. And he does that all through Galatians. He'll say something and say, not that there is. You know. So I like how he just commands, you better straighten up and listen. Yeah, that's a good point. I like the word. He commands that, right? And like I said, you see that throughout Galatians. There is no ambiguity about where Paul stands on this. And especially when you get to chapter 3, because I've heard people talk about how chapter 4, they think chapter 4 is hard. I think chapter 4 has got nothing on chapter 3. Because in chapter 3, he's like, oh, you who want to go back to the law, do you know the law? How about this, 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 this? And he just goes through a bunch of texts. And he does not expect you just to read those passages. I think he expects you to know the context. And know how this answers this. And he just hits them. Like, you want to know the law? You better, or you want to go back to the law? You better know it. And I'm telling you what you're getting yourself into. Uh, I saw another hand raised. Yes, Jill. Yes, it, and this goes back to her point. It's, it didn't come from a human. It came from Jesus. And you see this defense, which is really wrapped around that. I, I didn't get this from Peter. I didn't get this from James. I didn't get this from Apostle. I got it straight from the top, okay, which gives him credibility. Yes, Dave. Yeah, and so this is a good point. He, he says here that in verse 1, he points out, it says, not from men, nor through human agency, but by Jesus Christ. You can't even get through one verse, and he's already putting out a defense. I mean, he does not, he just goes right into it real quick. Uh, I saw a few hands. Mitch. Okay. Yeah, good point. So he's, he talks about giving glory to God, and then later talks about, and they gave glory to him. So the, you see this kind of progression. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, good point, because we talked about how the audience would be shocked, but we didn't talk about how Paul seems to be shocked, and he said we're disappointed that this happened, and then later he's going to say, it's like I'm giving birth to you again. I mean, this is, this is tough. Men don't usually say that, okay? If you think that's normal for men to say, guys, insert it into a sentence this week and just see how it goes, okay? Boy. Yeah, this is not just leaving some people. It's not, you're not just leaving me. It's like Paul's saying, you're leaving God. 
That's what makes this so intense. All right, uh, time check. So actually, we're doing okay on time. Ryan Dave. Yeah, that's true. It's not, you're not just leaving some system of beliefs. You're leaving God, right? The system of belief, of course, there is a system of belief in a certain sense, but yeah, it's... I remember my brother was saying how... I had forgotten I even said this, but I was saying how, you ever notice when somebody has a system, it's usually not good? <laughs> oh, I've got a system. With my system, you can, you can you know, make yourself rich overnight. Yeah, that, that's usually, when we talk about the gospel, it's not just a system where you have this, well, you, got this, you go through these steps, and then you're saying, no, it's, it's related to God. It's related to a being, right? Yes, in a certain sense, it's a system, but it's, it's bigger picture than that. You're leaving God. You're not just leaving this system. All right, yes? I thought it was interesting, too, is when you think back to the kings, and we, we see the same pattern, even with the children of Israel, right, where... Judah, they would have a good king. They would bring them back to God, and then within a generation, they would uh, they would leave the truth and fall and pursue other gods. And so this is a problem of man down through history. And Paul, you know, is is uh, he's not necessarily alluding to that, but I just think it's interesting that we see that not just with these Galatians, not just with these churches in Galatia. But we see this as a pattern throughout the whole Bible and something that should warn us that we have to be careful that we don't fall into that same pattern. Yeah, I, I agree. His point is you go through the Old Testament, you find out what did Israel do? They did this, right? They had the truth and then they walked away from it. And so we have to be humble. We could fall into this trap too, which is, by the way, we're going to talk about discussion topic because I want to talk about that. I think it is very easy to fall into that trap unless we work really diligently to make sure we don't. And, and this is even when something that seems so right. I think this felt right going back to the law. I mean, this was God. The Torah was made by God, right? It, it would probably sound kind of logical. Yes? So it mentioned the gospel, and it, it's felt for me trying to define that term because we often we hear that all the time. But gospel is one of those things, I think, in itself, the word gospel doesn't mean, it doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of like, some other words that we we use as religious words, but it is the gospel of Christ that is important because there's a gospel yeah. of other things. I mean, you can, you, it, it's like the authority of Christ, or it is the reign of Christ, or it is the fact that Christ is the king. That is the gospel of Christ is how it might be helpful to view that. Yeah, that's a good point. We have to define what gospel means. And I, I go back to Brad Pettus, who when he was asked one time, well, what's the gospel? It's like, let me get back to you. <laughs> you know, it's like, how do you define it? It's like, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's specific. But the word gospel was, it's weird when you go back and you read it in the Greek and other contexts. This is not only used in the New Testament. It was used elsewhere. So it's meaning something specific. It's a term of art. You can't just look at the word. You've got to look at that fuller picture. And it's actually a little bit harder to define than one might think it is. At least I think so. Brad thinks so too, apparently. All right. Should we go to chapter two? Anybody have a comment? Okay. Chapter two. 
then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, Titus, along with me. I went up because of a revelation set before me, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And for those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me, God chose no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Edmund, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus, in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I have torn down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, all right. I don't know if that was better. I moved my phone closer and then turned my volume down. Okay. Oh, technology. And I work in tech. And it's like when people talk about how, you know, relying on tech, I'm like, yeah, don't. I write it. So, all right. Uh, what'd you guys see? Yes, Mindy.
Yeah, so her, her point is that, I mean, I think it's valid, is that he's continuing his defense, like this comes from God and not from men, almost so intensely, I, I think the word commanded was used before, that you're almost thinking, should you be a little bit more respectful? He's just, he's just so pushing it. And, and I think that's true. It does come off a bit sharp at, at points. And I think part of the reasoning here is that what you see here, when you see what Peter did, and I, when you see something like that happen, this looks like this is undoing the gospel. I don't think Peter actually was. I think Peter made a mistake, but it sent the wrong message. You can see why Paul's trying to distance him. Listen, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the gospel of Paul. It's not the gospel of James. It's not the gospel of Peter. It's of Jesus Christ. And I think that's a, that's a valid point because think about how many of us have had people that were close to us who are Christians who fell away. And how do you deal with that? What do you deal with? I mean, there are people in this room who had parents who taught you the gospel and then fell away. You, there are people in this room who've had people who were parents and preachers and fell away. What do you do with that? And what you do with it is you realize when you obeyed the gospel, you didn't obey the gospel of your father or, the, or your mother. You obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was always on them. Your faith is not in people. It's in, it's in God. So, but I, it's sharp though. Yes, Bob. Um, chapter 1, he said, even though I am an angel from heaven. And so in this chapter, he points out Peter. It, by his actions, you don't follow those actions. You follow what he taught him first, which he wasn't doing. And that is pointing that out. Yeah, this is a good point. He, he, Paul says, even if I teach you a different gospel, you, don't, you reject that. Because you've already gotten the right one, okay? So Paul, Paul puts himself in that category, the same way he puts Peter. So he's an equal opportunity offender. Yes, ma'am. He also is an apostle born out of due time. So everything about Paul is turned upside down. He's a Jewish leader sent to the Gentiles to go back and correct the Jews. So the Jews could come at him really hard right out of the gate. That's why I said, it's straight from God. This is not for me. It's not for none of the other apostles. I've, because they could come at him and say, well, you are an eyewitness of Jesus. There's so many things they could, so he is getting all of that straight right out of the gate to, because he is a, a different kind of apostle than the regular chosen twelve. And this is, I think you bring up a really good point because we have to recognize Paul is actually, the way I like the way you put it, he's a different type of apostle. All right. And she quotes him and says, he's born out of due time. 
the idea there would be like you ever see somebody who's like they've got the first child is 21 years old, the second child is 19 years old, third child's four, and you're thinking, okay, <laughs> maybe that was planned or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Born out of due time, Paul is like that four-year-old. Right? So I, this is, I think, why people begged that question. Well, how does he fit into this whole thing? We knew about Peter. We knew, I mean, James, at least, is the Lord's brother. What do we do with this guy, Paul? And he has a different type of mission. And so I think this is why you see Paul having to defend himself more. And it's not just in Galatians he has to do that. He does that elsewhere, too. Uh, yes, ma'am. The question, a question that was raised for me is where he says, Now this matter rose because of the false brethren, and they were unnoticed, and so on. Um, is what's motivating these people? This is not... Mm-hmm. And this is not in Jerusalem, with the, where it's so heavily Jewish originally. Um, so is there something going on historically with the Roman Empire, with the Jews? And I'm not, I don't have an answer. I'm just, this is, you said, what strikes you and, and everything. So that would be a question that's raised for me, is what's motivating these brethren um, to want to go... And this is, and I think this is a hard question to answer too. Like, what is going on here? What is? What are these opponents thinking? Why are they doing this? This is not Jerusalem, like you pointed out. So, why are they spreading this outside of Jerusalem? Well, that seems kind of weird. And it's, he says, false brothers. These claim to be Christians. You could understand why somebody who's Jewish, and Jewish here, I mean, religiously would want to go back to Judaism. and that would be expected, but these appear to be brothers? Well, that just makes it even stranger, right? And, I, and the truth is, it, you, you're not, you don't get a 100% answer on something like this. I think if you profile Galatians and you look at Acts, now we can cheat, because, and so I see Bob, he had his hand raised, and now he's, now, so he's probably gonna mention something about Acts. If you use Acts and you assume that the circumcision party in Acts is the same as the the party of circumcision here, which I think is likely, you can get more details. Now you still have to do some work and make some guesses. And I still think there's probably multiple things going on here. Bob, what were you gonna say? Okay, you said ditto. (laughs) Cool. What else? Yes, Ryan. I'm so glad you bring this up because I agree. If the first party says that we didn't get this from men, it's Jesus who matters more than the apostles. And then he says, oh, but I had to check in with them to make sure I wasn't running in vain. And you're thinking, wait, what? How does this work? And I have thought about that. My, what I think he's talking about is not that he's concerned that he's been teaching a false gospel. Like I said, that doesn't really make sense. He seems to be, his commanding language, he knows what this is. I think what he's saying here is like, here I'm trying to form this group full of Jews and Gentiles. Most of the apostles, they're focused on the, the Jewish part. I'm trying to bring the Gentile part. And then it looks like people at home, the Jews at home, are saying, eh, we're really not really okay with this whole Gentiles thing. 
And so he's like, am I running in vain here? Like, I'm working to go bring this unified thing. I thought we were on the same page, and now I'm not sure that we are. And so the confirmation, I think, is more of a confirmation, not that his views are correct, but more that were they undermining me? Were their views correct? And what he finds is actually, yeah, Peter messed up, but Peter actually believed the right things. He just used poor judgment. And James actually is on the same page as me. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, and also, uh, there's a little detail you said about South Galatia. Somebody's been doing her Bible study. So that, <laughs> there's actually a question about whether he's writing to North Galatia or South Galatia. I also hold to the South Galatia theory. I just think it makes more sense. Mitch. That could be. Yes, it's like maybe he's calling out Peter and says, listen, like, it's not just you. I call everybody out. It could be. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. Another option would be that he may be saying that there has been an inconsistent message that has come out from the apostles. And it could even be that the opponents are saying, listen, we were out there with Peter and the Gentiles showed up. And guess what? Peter withdrew himself. We didn't see him meeting with them, so I think he's actually on our side. They may be trumping this up, if you will. Uh, that's also important, because when you go back and you read Acts, now I think, the, I think the events of Galatians takes place before Acts 15, where they have this big church discussion about this. But in that, if you look at the letter from James, James makes the point, he says, and they did not come from us. I think he's... That kind of implies to me they may have been claiming, some people may have been claiming, well, James actually agrees with us. There are not a lot of Gentiles in Jerusalem. So it may not have been obvious that James did not force circumcision. So people could say, well, I think James agrees with us, and Peter did this thing, and so he may be having to undercut these possibly bad arguments. Yes, Chris. Yeah, I'd be excited to know exactly what the right-handed fellowship is whenever you get to that. And, uh, <laughs> a couple of things. He goes to the apostles and has this big discussion about the gospel of Christ and and whether, you know, kind of big important things. And he says, and they gave us one other point. They agreed and they said there was just one other important thing to remember, the poor. And that that just strikes me as, it's like, we're talking about this, what seems to be a really high level thing. And it's like, okay, that's all good, but just don't forget this one really important fact that we've got to get in there. And he throws that in there. So, Yeah, that's true. These important facts. Oh, by the way, remember the poor. It's like, 
These big important facts, by the way, I, uh, you should, your, your car door's window, window's open. Like, well, that seems a little random. Like, why throw that in there? <laughs> yeah, good point. And when, when we talk about the right hand of fellowship, I'm going to suddenly come ill and David's going to have to explain that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. What other questions or comments y'all got? I do one more. The, when he's talking about Peter and he goes to Peter and he says, you're living like a Gentile. What exactly is he referring to? Okay. You know, what part of Peter's action is him living like a Gentile? Yeah, this is a bit of a mysterious phrase. Saying to a Jew, you're living like a Gentile. Yeah. And what I think is going on there is I think what he means by that is that Peter is living in a world in which the Jew-Gentile distinction is no longer relevant. Of course, we know Peter is inconsistent in this. He, was, he withdrew himself from the Gentiles before. And if you go back and you read in the Torah, it talks a lot about how you don't have clothing with two different types of material in the same cloth. And you're like, what's that seems weird. Don't plant two types of plants in the same place. Well, that seems weird. Unless the whole point is draw a distinction, have a separation. And it seems like what Judaism was saying is like you needed to keep yourself separate from these people. And all of a sudden there's this switch that takes place in the New Testament, which I think is probably hard for people who grew up making that distinction to suddenly give up on that distinction. All right. Thank you all. That was really good. Uh, so we're going to pick up, we're going to do the same thing next week, and we'll probably get, well, hopefully we'll get through the entire book of Galatians. I will have an email sent out. I'll send it to Chris, and Chris will send it out. And then we'll, that was the second thought, right? Okay. The, it, it'll tell you what we're going to talk about. I'll do that every time right after class, like Sunday, Wednesday, so you'll know what's coming up.